welcome back to the Moon and Sud podcast for this extra special spooky sode. Nicholas will be talking about Krampus, while I will be reading some of my favorite kind of spooky things to you out of a book. Of mine. Of Nicholas's. Because she forgot to do a spooky sode. I can so cut that out. <laughs> I don't care. I forgot to research a spooky topic. So Krampus in Central European popular legend, a half-goated, half-demon monster that punishes misbehaving children at Christmas time. He is the devilish companion of St. Nicholas. Krampus is believed to have or originated in Germany, and his name derives from the German word Krampen, which means claw. Krampus was thought to have been part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice. According to legend, he is the son of Hel, the Norse god of the underworld. With the spread of Christianity, Krampus became associated with Christmas despite efforts by the Catholic Church to ban him. The creature and St. Nicholas are said to arrive on the evening of December 5th. Krampusnitch. Krampusnacht. Krampusnacht, which is Krampus night. While St. Nicholas rewards nice children by leaving presents, Krampus beats those who are naughty with branches and sticks. In some cases, he is said to eat them or take them to the underworld. On December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, children awaken to find their gifts or nurse their injuries. The history of Krampus figure has been theorized as stretching back to pre-Christian Alpine traditions. Discussing his obsession in 1975 while in Erding, a small town in Styria, Anthropologist John J. Honingman wrote that the St. Nicholas Festival we are describing incorporates cultural elements widely distributed in Europe, in some cases going back to pre-Christian times. Nicholas himself became popular in Germany according Nicholas himself became popular in Germany around the 11th century. The feast dedicated to this patron of children is only one winter occasion in which children are the objects of special attention. Others being Martin Martinimus, the Feast of the Holy Innocence, and New Year's Day. Masked devils acting mysterious and making... Nuisance of themselves are known in Germany since at least the 16th century, while animal-masked devils combining dreadful comic antics appeared in medieval church plays. A large literature, much of it by European folklorists, bears on these subjects. Patrons in the community we studied are quite aware of heathen elements being blended with Christian elements in the St. Nicholas customs. And in other traditional winter ceremonies, they believe Krampus derived from a pagan supernatural who was 
assimilated to the Christian devil. The Krampus figure persists, and by the 17th century, Krampus had been incorporated into Christian winter celebrations by painting Krampus with St. Nicholas. In the aftermath of the 1932 election in Austria, the Krampus tradition was prohibited by the Dolphus Regium under the clerical fascist fatherland's front on the Christian Social Party. In the 1950s, the government distributed pamphlets titled Krampus's an evil man towards the end of the century a popular a popular resurgence of krampus celebrations occurred and continues today the krampus tradition is being revived in bavaria as well along with a local artistic tradition of hand carved wooden masks in 2019 there were reports of drunken or disorderly conduct by masked Krampus in some Austrian towns. Although Krampus appears in many varieties, most share some common physical characteristics. He is hairy, usually brown or black, and has the cloven hooves and horns of a goat. His loud pointed tongue lolls out. Right? Yeah. His loud pointed tongue lolls out, and he has fanged Krampus and he is fanged. Krampus carries chains thought to symbolize the binding of the devil by the Christian church. He thrashes the change for dramatic effect. The chains are sometimes accompanied with bells of various sizes. Of more pagan origins are the rutin bundles of birch branches that Krampus carries and with which he occasionally swats children. The rutin may have had significance in pre-Christian pagan initiation rites. The birch branches are replaced with a, with a whip in some representations. Sometimes Krampus appears with a sack or a basket strapped to his back this is to carry off evil children for drowning, eating, or transport to the underworld. Some of the older versions make mentions of naughty children being put in the bag and taken away. Europeans have been exchanging greeting cards featuring Krampus since the 19th century, sometimes introducing with greetings from Krampus. The cards usually have humorous rhymes and poems, Krampus is often featured looming menacingly over children. He is also shown as having one human foot and one cloven hoof. In some, Krampus has sexual overtones. He is pictured pursuing women. Over time, the representation of Krampus in the cards has changed. Older versions have more frightening Krampus, while modern versions have a cuter, more Cupid-like creature. Krampus also adorned postcards and candy containers. Hmm. I would hate seeing the cutesy Cupid. 
Krampus. Yeah. I want the vintage, like, scary. Like, steal your children, drag them to hell. Yes. Krampus. In Styria, the root rotten bundles are presented by Krampus to families. The twigs are painted gold and displayed year-round in the house as a reminder to any child who has temporarily forgotten Krampus. In smaller, more isolated villages, the figure has other beastly companions such as the antlered wild man figures, and St. Nicholas is nowhere to be seen. Hmm. In many parts of... Rofia Krampus is described as a devil wearing a cloth sack around his waist and chains around his neck, ankles, and waist. It's a part of a tradition when a child receives a gift from St. Nicholas, he is given a golden branch to represent his good deeds throughout the year. However, if the child has misbehaved, Krampus will take the gifts for himself and leave only a silver branch to represent the child's bad acts. The mythical holiday beast is once again on the prowl, but beware, he's making his way across the Atlantic. A mangled, deranged face with bloodshot eyes tops a fury black body. Giant horns curl up from his head, displaying his half-goat, half-demon lineage. Behind this terror, a dozen more stomp through the snow of the streets of Lienz, Austria, among a din of cowbell janglers. The creatures dash through the streets, chasing giggling children and adults alike, poking them with sticks and scaring some with the realization that they were naughty this year. Lean's annual Krampus parade resurrects a centuries-old tradition. Young men in town dress up as the mythical creature and parade through the streets in an ancient pagan ritual meant to disperse winter's ghosts. They march dressed in fur suits and carved wooden masks and carry cowbells. The tradition Krampus run is having a Resurgence throughout Austria, Germany, Slovenia, Hungary, and the Czechs, Czech Republic, and has gained recognition in the United States. The creatures have become so popular in recent times that has a comic book series, parties of his own, and even a new movie. After all, says Jeremy Sheher's organizer of a Krampus Snatch Festival being held for the first time in Orlando, Florida. Why watch out the Santa Claus comes to town because Krampus is becoming to get you. Nice. Like a whole festival about it. Yeah, about Krampus. I need a Krampus festival. I would love to go to a Krampus festival. Right? So my sources are... Superstitions by D.R. McElroy, wikipedia.org, britannia.com, smithsoniamag.com. All right.
start. So I am reading from Breverton's Phantasmagoria, a compendium of monsters, myths, and legends by Terry Breverton. My book. Nicholas's book. (laughs) So we will start with ghouls. Ghouls have their origin in the Arabic, Persian, and Indian tales, which were compiled in Arabic and translated into English in the 19th century under the title The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night. Sir Richard Burton, translator of the tales, has several footnotes referring to the male ghoul, G-H-U-L, a creature who eats human flesh, Arab ghoul, here an ogre, a cannibal, Ghouls in the nights are rather fearsome and do not seem to prey on humanity merely through necessity. Their appetite is nearly insatiable. Allah ease thee, O king of the age, even as thou hast eased me of these ghouls, whose bellies none may fill save Allah. Even their names are fearsome, such as the ghoul who eateth man, we pray to Allah for safety. Burton noticed, noted female ghouls, and origin of the word ghoul is oh uh, meh, origin of the word ghoul the gula is the Hebrew Lilith or Lils the classic Lamia entomologically ghoul is a calamity of pa- a panic fear and the monster is evidently the embodied horror of the grave and the graveyard Right? (laughs) Next, we will be learning about poltergeists, the knocking spirits. (sighs) The German word poltern, to knock, and geist, spirit, describe a phenomenon which involves strange noises and or moving of objects. Poltergeist activity has been reported across many cultures, and in the past, it was variously blamed on the devil demons, witches, and ghosts of the dead. Scientists have tried to explain the phenomena as due to earth tremors, gusts of air, etc. Common types of poltergeist activities include rains of stones, dirt, and other small objects, throwing or moving of objects, including large large pieces of furniture, evil smells, loud noises, and shrieks. Poltergeists are said to have caused interference in telephones and electronic equipment, and turned the lights and appliances on and off. Some poltergeists are said to pinch, bite, hit, and sexually attack the living. Poltergeists are said to be usually mischievous and occasionally malevolent, manifesting their presence by making noises, moving objects, and assaulting people and animals. Aww. And they can sexually assault me. I'm fine <laughs> with that. This author has had experience of sharing houses with squirrels, bats, birds, mice, and feels that many experiences can be attributed to the noise that such animals make. Okay. Generally, activity starts and stops abruptly and is often associated with one individual. It may extend over several hours to several months, but some cases have lasted several years. They almost always occur at night when an individual is present. This person seems to act as an agent or magnet for this for activity. It's usually female and under the age of 20. In the late 1970s, a computer an- analysis was carried out of cases collected since 1800. Around 64% involved the movement of small objects, 58% were most active at night, 48% featured 
sexual assaulting. 36% involved movement of large objects. 24% lasted longer than one year. 16% featured communication between the poltergeist and the agent. And 12% involved the opening and shutting of doors and windows. One of the first recorded instances of poltergeist activity was in 1682. Richard Chamberlain, secretary to the colony of New Hampshire, was staying in a tavern of in the tavern of George and Alice Walton in Newcastle. He witnessed the attack of the Lithobolia, the stone-throwing devil. Chamberlain wrote a pamphlet in 1698 describing the throwing about by an invisible hand of stones, bricks, and brick bats of all sizes, with several other things as hammers, mauls, iron claws, iron crows, spits, and other utensils, as came into their hellish minds, and this for space of a quarter of a year. The Empworth Poltergeist case is one of the best documented examples of poltergeist activity, which happened in December 1716 at Epworth Parsonage in Lincolnshire. All members of the Wesley family heard loud rappings and noises over a period of two months. Sometimes the noises were of a specific character, according to the well-kept notes of Mrs. Wesley. During one incident, when she and her husband were Descending the stairs, they heard a noise as if something, someone was emptying a large back of, bag of coins at their feet. This was followed by the sounds of glass bottles being dashed to a thousand pieces. Other sounds heard were running footsteps, groans, and a door latch being lifted several times. Dr. Friedbert Carger was one of two physicists from the Max Planck Institute, who helped to investigate the Rosenheim poltergeist in Germany. The agent seemed to be Anna Marie Snyder, a 19-year-old secretary in a law firm in Rosenheim in 1967. There was disruption of electricity and telephone lines, the rotation of a picture, swinging lamps which were captured on video, which was one of the first times any poltergeist activity has been captured on film, and strange sounds that seemed electrical in origin were recorded. Fraud was not proven, despite intensive investigation by the physicists, journalists, and the police. The effects moved with the young woman when she changed jobs until they finally faded out and never reoccurred. Dr. Carger said these experiments were really a challenge to physics. Physics. What we saw in the Rosenheim case could be 100% shown not to be explainable by known physics. The phenomena were witnessed by parapsychologist Hans Bender, the police force, the CID, press reporters, and the physicists. Nice. Nice. Uh, I like the idea of a poltergeist. Don't ever want to have one. I'll just like the part where you get, I'll get sexually molested. You know, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Or have sex with one. That'd be... Cool. Kind of hot. Having ghost sex. Ghost sex, yeah. Ghost sex. Um, it's like a sex demon. It's like a sex demon, only not nearly as much fun. Not nearly as cool. You don't know that. You haven't had it. That is true. I have never had ghost <laughs> sex or demon. So sex. how can you compare? <laughs> <sighs> I just like cool things like the movie Poltergeist and how the skeletons were real skeletons that they got from like a medical society yeah 
I want one. A real skeleton? Yeah. I mean, it would be kind of cool. Well, and that concludes our spooky sode. Yes. We hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure that you write in and tell us your spooky stories so that we can read them on our next spooky sode. If you want us to. If you would like us to. We can keep you anonymous. Nobody has to know who you are. You can email those to moonandsunpodcast at gmail.com. And all the rest of our socials will be in our show notes as well, along with in the end of this episode when I put it in here. <laughs> our socials are moonandsunpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, all lowercase. Mm-hmm. Our Instagram is moonandsunpodcast, all one word, all lowercase. Truth. Our Facebook is moonandsunpodcast. Sun, sun podcast, podcast coven, coven. Mm. and twitter is moon and, moon and sun, sun pod. pod um and there's a link tree in the instagram bio with all of the other socials and everywhere you can listen thank you for tuning in and don't forget your coffee and we'll talk to you next time and don't forget your coffee and don't forget to drink water yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>